This is Seattle Sports at Night with Curtis Rogers, Jake Heaps, and Stacey Rost on 710 ESPN Seattle. The gang's all here on this Thursday night. Stacey Ross, Jake Heaps, and myself, Curtis Rogers, with you for the next two hours here on 710 ESPN Seattle. Shout out to you for stopping by. Choosing to make us a part of your drive home or your night at home, whatever it is you're up to right now. But thank you so much. Got a lot to get to tonight. Coors Light text line always there for you, 710-710, the number to text. Always taking your questions because we wrap up every single show with Ask Us Anything. That's coming up at 845. So, I mean, if you've got a question to get off your chest right now, go right ahead and do so. But uh, Stacy and Jake, we all three of us had, had a field trip today. We did. I mean, that's what famous people do. Exactly. They and and school children. Exactly. <laughs> I wasn't going to go there, you know, because there's some of us that could still be at the height size wow. of some of those school children. Oh no! But I do want to say, easy. I do want to say, I do want to say that Curtis, you looked mighty sharp. Oh, well, thank Stacey, you. Stacy, your look was on point. Thank you. I was just trying to keep up with the rest of you. We had a we little. We looked great. We had a little photo shoot. We, we finally felt like we arrived. Because everybody else at this station, the group, they have their nice little photo shoots. They've got, you know, their glamour shots together as a squad, and we're just kind of we were waiting for it. We, we have our logo up on the on the website. That's right. Yeah, we, we, but, at least we do have that. Yeah, but we needed that star presence, mm, and right. we got it. I was a little bummed. I had to stand on a box. Um, but I was not the only seven ten host to have to do that. <laughs> I will not say who else had to. Um, oh, but I think there's day, but there are other in the past other that have had in the, to stand uh, on a box. Other hosts in the past have I, had to I, do that, so I yes. didn't feel alone. I think that there's two immediately that people could probably go to and right, try and right. figure that out. Mm-hmm. But we won't say any names. No. I mean, we won't throw it's that rock. out there. And the cool part for us was uh, ours was at the VMAC instead yeah. of Safeco Field, which was pretty cool. And Got then, a workout in exactly, and then afterwards, afterwards there were box jumps there, and I challenged Stacy to see if she could do an eighteen-inch box jump, and I did, and she did. I, I want you to know that she cleared an eighteen-inch box mm-hmm. jump. The technique was less to be desired. Well, you guys, but- my legs are about like twenty-seven inches long. <laughs> <laughs> But you so, did. I mean, that's, yeah. You cleared it. If you could imagine a corgi jumping on top <laughs> of a box, that's what it looked like. And it was just as adorable. Uh, but that wasn't the only thing going on in the VMAC today. In fact, Brock Heward and Mike Salk, they were joined by Pete Carroll today. So, I mean, let's not waste any more time. Let's get into what is on Thursday's timeline. And earlier today... It was uh, sort of a NFL draft off-season edition of the Pete Carroll Show, I guess yeah. you could call it. Uh, Brock and Salk, they were joined by head coach Pete Carroll from Seahawks headquarters today. Talked a lot about the questions that remain for the Seahawks offseason uh, and what lies ahead for them as they gear up for rookie minicamp, which goes on this weekend, and also off-season OTAs. You've got, you know, all kinds of Still things. Still Doug Baldwin status up in the air. Mother's right. Day. Exactly. What do you get, Mom, for Mother's Day? What do you get the mom that has it all? They all they talked about it all with Pete. They did. They absolutely did. And so coming up in about 10 minutes from now, we're going to get into the best of what Pete had to say uh, to Brock and Salk. But, you know, looking at the Seahawks right now and, and what they have accomplished in the draft, I'm actually feeling a little more positive than I did 
before the draft because you've addressed a lot of holes that were out there. There still remains some pretty big ones, but Seahawks, I think, have the ball rolling in the right direction. Absolutely, and that's where I think I'm excited. When you look at this team in terms of its depth, in terms of where they're at, in terms of young competition, uh, it's an exciting time. And like Pete Carroll said over and over again, they are not done. They are not done adding to this team. Can't wait to dive into that further in terms of what that means. And Rookie Minicamp coming up this weekend. There's a lot of exciting opportunities for young prospects, guys that they've drafted, guys that have come in undrafted, trying to make a statement, trying to make a claim on who they potentially could be and where they could fit on this roster. So a lot to dive into later in the show. And I think a couple of these guys, too, you think of guys like DK Metcalf. I'm excited to see uh, what he uh, Jennings and Ursua look like catching passes from Wilson should they get some reps with the first team. We aren't going to get a look at that, obviously, this weekend, but I think this is the first time that we'll do a little bit of an eye test. And, Jake, I know you and I will be there Saturday, so it'll be Whoa! interesting to come I back. Wait! I'll be there <laughs> Saturday I will be, as well. I'll be there. The we'll, squad will be there. Yep. I will be bra- I promise you, my eyes will be glued onto the receivers, watching them come He's in and out He's going to have this little breaks. notebook that I know you have somewhere on your person or in the room. Uh, in the don't pit. embarrass it. Don't embarrass me live. You have okay? it here. This little booklet of mine <laughs> is my is it, world. Jake? Okay, but yes, I will be evaluating, and I cannot wait to come back here and report what we have seen. And uh, yeah, and I know Stacy Curtis. I know you guys are going to be paying heavy attention to what's going on up front in the trenches on that defensive line and that offensive line. Yep. I know you guys are the I mean, the gurus in well, that I'm aspect. The here. That's where the game is won and lost <laughs> in the trenches. <laughs> I say it's uh, I say it's just the kicker. That's yeah. that's what I'll be watching. Well, I mean, a couple of years ago, that's exactly where the game was won and lost. I don't know if there's a rookie kicker. That is true. Yeah. Uh, well, no, it's, yeah, it's Jason Myers' job. Happening. They they yeah. even released Sam Ficken, yeah, they so did. It, it's Myers' job for for all eternity. It feels like. But uh, also in the trenches today, some roster news. I guess not really a transaction, but the Seahawks are reportedly going to decline Jermaine Effetti's fifth-year option. He was due about $10.3 million in 2020 had they picked that up. Yep. I'm I look at that, I think it's a good move because $10 million for Jermaine Effetti, yeah, he had a, a pretty good year in 2018, but you look at his body of work. Right. Not that of someone well, you, who's it, going to be one of the higher paid offensive linemen. Out yeah, it, this could this could work in your favor. It could backfire on you because right now you cannot say that you can confidently pay or, or say that you're going to pay Jermaine Effetti ten ten and a half million dollars somewhere in that range right now. He's given you one good year, one productive year, and you need to see another year out of him to really understand what you're going to get and, and what the future holds for him. Also, you feel pretty good about the guys you have behind him in George Fant and Jamarco Jones. And Jamarco Jones was a guy that was talked about uh, really pushing for that spot until he got hurt. So this is an opportunity to hopefully see if George Fant can grow more into that role, if Jamarco Jones can really start pushing, and also what Jermaine Effetti's going to have. Now, where it could backfire on you is Jermaine Effetti grows again mm-hmm. in year two and in, and now you could have had him at ten and a half million dollars you lose out on that opportunity and maybe he's a little bit more expensive because how young he is and how much of a premium that tackle position is so this is a little bit of a gamble by the Seahawks but I think it was the right move ultimately moving forward yeah Marco Jones too someone who um the other day I was looking at wide receiver stats and mentioned Brandon Marshall and you realize how long that season felt it really doesn't feel like he was even on this team last year. And then you no. remember, oh, he was. 
Jamarco Jones is someone who I, I keep forgetting suffered suffered that injury because he was someone that I think they had their eye on. There's draft capital invested there, right? Um, so yeah, it'll be it'll be good for him to bounce back in camp. Mm-hmm. It's wild looking at some of the guys like you said, Stacy. That you're like, oh yeah, he was a Seahawk. Yeah. Oh yeah, he is a Seahawk. Amara Darbo, still a Seahawk. Yeah, he which spent like a week with the Patriots. Yeah, he, he did. was he was waived, signed with the Patriots, and then uh, I think was released, and then. Came back to Seattle. Or yeah, was on the ninety. With Seattle? I believe because once he it, once it came a back, physical? yeah, he yeah. so he was out there. It didn't work out, so uh, he came back to the ninety man roster. So we'll we'll see how that pans out. The receiver uh, room is is full of competition, yep. and I uh, can't wait to see how that one unfolds through OTAs, through mandatory mini camp, and ultimately when we get to training camp. A couple of news and notes with the Huskies right now as they wrap up spring ball. Uh, big recruiting news. Coming out in the last 24 hours, Kennedy Catholic five-star linebacker Savelle Smalls has eliminated Washington from his list of finalists, citing that he just wants to play elsewhere. He doesn't want to play in his hometown uh, for college. And then Jacob Sermon, quarterback, has removed his name from the transfer portal and intends to stay at at UW. Jake, you're a guy who Mm -hmm. I think can speak to both of those things more than anybody uh, in this city. Yeah, You being a, a former highly touted high school recruit choosing to play your freshman year at BYU away from where you grew up. Yeah. What do you make of Smalls' decision to say, you know what, I'm, I'm not going to stay home? Well, I think the uniqueness of this situation for Smalls is that UW is one of the premier programs in the country, and especially on the west side uh, in the Pac-12. And at, when I was coming out, that wasn't the case at all. They were 0-12. Uh, it was on a downturn, and, 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 and the lots was – to be left desired but for Sabelle Smalls it's for a lot of guys you want to get out of town you want to see this but but what was interesting is that WSU made his final cut and I think that's more of where the reaction comes from and I think there's at some point in time for guys that get turned off by the term OKG and I think for people locally and especially Husky fans when a guy like Savelle Small says okay I don't want to I don't want to go to UW well he just wasn't OKG he wasn't OKG anyways well to me, if you have a guy who is that talented, and from what I know about Savelle Smalls, he's a guy that, surrounded by great people, can be a great player. If he's surrounded by other people, he could fall the other way. I think he's a very intelligent young man. I think he's a very talented young man, and that's a guy who could really succeed at the University of Washington under Chris Peterson. So I think losing out on a talent like that and, and to have him not be not Washington be in that final list, I think says a lot, and I think it, it deserves some reflection in terms of why that, that is the case. Now, secondly, about Jacob Sermon, this was a very unique and different situation. This is a kid that I've been around a lot that I really enjoy. Uh, and, and, and have trained and worked with and has been around my youngsters helping coach. Uh, I think this just comes down to it's a really hard time in college football, especially for quarterbacks, and, and being able to have the transfer portal available to you uh, when you get in situations where you may seem it may seem like you're not really getting the opportunities that you want. Okay, if you're not going to get take me seriously, then uh, I've got other options available to me. And I think after he went into the portal, I think – uh, Chris Peterson and Bush Hamden had a sit-down conversation with him and kind of expressed where they feel he's at, and he felt comfortable coming back. Now, that's a situation where you uh, you put yourself in a difficult position with your teammates and with your coach, coaches ultimately with, with the trust factor. But uh, like I said, again, spring ball was all about Jacob Eason and Jacob Hainer, and everybody else was just kind of an afterthought. And so if you're Jacob Sermon, you're not saying that, look, I want to, be, I want to compete to be the starter 
But if you're a redshirt freshman, I want to at least compete to be the backup. And and going after spring and how it finished up, that didn't seem to be the case. And so it'll be interesting to see how fall camp is going into this now and, and where he sits in the depth chart. Those are the biggest headlines on tonight's timeline. Also, though. I'm very disappointed we didn't get to the final story. The Crocs. Yeah, they've released a shoe that includes a fanny pack. I think they're doubling down That's the on story. on on them. <laughs> That's the end of it. <laughs> they're doubling down on their like you know, I guess taboo of of wearing Crocs. Yeah, but like, I will I will say that they're not the first. My nephew has some pretty sweet uh, Nike fanny pack slip ons. Dude, kids love. Little... Wait, wait, wait. His shoes already have fanny packs on them. Yes, it's it's flip flops. Mm. It's sandals. Like the, it's like the slides. There. Anything are, you want, Curtis. Yeah, Chapstick, yeah. money. Yep, yep. Candy it comes in handy. You you'd be you surprised. You'd be surprised every time I see him zip that thing back open and pull something out. I'm like, ah, I need one of those. That's a pretty good idea. <laughs> I need to I need to carry around a fanny pack with me, but that's probably a little bit more stylish way to get it done. Fanny packs became popular again. I don't know when yeah, or how it happened, but I, it happened. It definitely happened. They are very useful. And anybody that wants to shame someone for having a fanny pack, no one's there's something wrong with you pack. because I have strong respect for it, especially being in the dad game. Yes. Yeah. Fanny packs are crucial. Yeah, the j- minivan of purses. Yeah, because you gotta you gotta carry everything. Hey, you, people want to bring the Gucci man bag thing going on on the side shoulder. Don't talk to me about that when you're comparing the fanny pack. I'll take that over that all day I'm long. Fine with all fanny packs. I'm just saying that I remember it not being cool when I was wearing one in like '96. What a year it was. Yeah, I was in kindergarten in '96. Okay, yeah. well. <laughs> Pete Carroll, he joined Brock and Salt. Pete Carroll, he was in uh, New York in 96, or New England. He was one of the two places. But yesterday, or actually it was so, it was this morning, he was with Brock and Salt. We'll hear the best of what he told those guys about the Seahawks offseason, the draft, and what he's most looking forward to to minicamp this weekend. That's coming up next. Curtis Rogers, Stacey Ross, Jay Keep, Seattle Sports Tonight on 710 ESPN Seattle. Live from the Alaska Airline Studio, this is Seattle Sports at Night with Curtis Rogers, Jake Heaps, and Stacy Rost on 710 ESPN Seattle. A lot of great texts coming in on the Coors Light text line. Got a great compliment from the 425. Stacy's a boss. Woo! Also love Jake. Yeah! And that's where the text ends. <laughs> oh, <laughs> come on! I'm, I'm here too, 425. What the heck, yeah. man? Uh, I'm not mad at it. Of course you're not mad at it. You got a compliment. Uh, There's three voices here, 425. And one of them is the first name the big voice guy says. So just throwing that out So just think about that. Yeah, but (laughs) Seattle Sports and Night right here, 710 ESPN Seattle. Curtis Rogers, Stacey Ross, Jake Heaps here with you until 9 o'clock. Brock and Salk, they were joined by Pete Carroll today at the VMAC for an off-season edition of the Pete Carroll Show, which, I mean, you never quite know which way that's going to go. Pete is uh, very much an open book when it comes to just sitting down with those guys. You don't quite know where it's going to go. But uh, today, a lot of focus was on free agency that's uh, about to open up again next week, Mm May 7th being that deadline with the compensatory picks no longer being attached to uh, signing free agents, and Pete was asked 
where this roster stands and if they're going to jump back into that pool. You'll see us, how we put it together. We're not done with, with so much work ahead of us right now. Uh, it may look like, oh, the draft's over, so you know, now we're on to the season. We're still competing at every level to get our roster right, to get our guys signed, to uh, continue to add to it. So it's, it's exciting. And that sounds like a guy who is definitely ready to uh, add more pieces to this puzzle. And, and you look at the Seahawks roster right now, there are still big-time holes even after a, a draft that yielded 11 selections. Absolutely. yeah. You looked at it from everybody's wanting to get that next edge rusher. When you have Frank Clark who leaves, who is one of the, mo- the up-and-coming mm-hmm. elite defensive ends who still got – a lot of productive years ahead of him, it's hard to see a player like that leave. And and so when you get a player like LJ Collier, it's not sexy. It's not something you look at and go, yeah, here's our guy for the future. Here's our replacement. Because LJ Collier has a different style of game. Doesn't mean it's it's the wrong pick. I love the versatility that he brings, being that five tech who can rush the passer and get on the edge, but he's going to be more physical. He's going to be more of a bull rusher. He's going to use his hands more to try and pull guys in and and uh, and get around him. And then being able to come down like Michael Bennett was able to do and, and play defensive tackle. So what you have here is you have a bunch of young guys uh, on your defensive line as of right now who need to step up and, and show what they've got. Rasheem Green, Jacob Martin. You've got your veteran presence right now on defensive end is Cassius Marsh, uh, and he his best season was last year with five and a half sacks. So it's not exactly what you would desire for your roster to look like, but you've got a lot of nice pieces if they can step up. And so having veteran uh, a veteran proven presence is something that is desperately needed on this roster. So getting a Ziggy Ansah, uh, a Nick Perry, uh, a Shane Ray a Derek Morgan type of defensive end or or edge rusher is definitely something on the Seahawks' priority list, and they've backed that up uh, recently with Shane Ray coming in to visit and Ziggy Ansah coming in to visit. So it is a priority to them without a doubt. Spoiler, Jake. Coming up at 8.30. Coming up at 8.30, we'll talk about... (laughs) <laughs> a pass rusher that may have come to visit the Seahawks. <laughs> Stay tuned. There it is. Hook, line, and sinker. Yeah, that's right. No. Ratings will soar <laughs> now at 830. Um, no, I mean, it's an interesting point, too. When when uh, Carol was talking to uh, Brock and Salk, he mentioned that they're not done building that roster. And I know that sounds like coach speak and that you say, um, you know, we're always trying guys out. We have undrafted free agents. But he also specifically mentioned, we're, you know, we could sign guys. He says, uh, we're still competing at every level to get our roster right, to get our guys signed. Yeah, here's um, <clears> uh, here's actually what Pete had to say about that. We feel really, really good about what we're doing and where we're going and the makeup of the team and the mentality of these guys and, and also what we're adding to it. And, and uh, there still seems to be a really good enthusiasm from the guys outside in that want to be part of this program. So we still have a chance to continue to add. And, and uh, they have to be very precise. You know, we can't waste any, any efforts at all. We, everybody's got to be right on the money and fit in just right. And, you know, part of that could mean uh, signing a soon-to-be street agent a uh, street-free agent like uh, Ziggy Ansah or Shane Ray, um, or it could mean extending your own players like a Jaron Reed in the final year of his deal, Bobby Wagner in the final year of his contract, uh, both presumably players that you want to keep with your uh, team long-term and also guys that you suddenly have uh, a bit of extra money now with Frank Clark gone. And, and it's it's funny you mentioned that, Stacy, because 
I don't remember them having this this much cap room in a long time. And obviously that comes from trading Frank Clark that freed up $17 million for you. And depending on what happens with Doug Baldwin and Cam Chancellor Chancellor comes off your books and we'll see what happens with Barkevius Mingo. But now you could be looking at potentially as of right now with those guys off, that's around $30 million plus. Right now they're at $26 million. So they have the ability to sign two edge rushers and one defensive tackle and get all three of those guys because as of right now, these these pieces around them are free agent, veteran free agents that are looking to come on a prove it deal. And and so that's a that's a very promising position for the Seahawks. Now the other side of it, the flip side of that, is is that there's risk involved. But you weigh out the risk reward in this, and that's something that is I will be excited. If they add two more edge rushers, uh, of the of those kind of caliber players, now you're looking at this defensive line a lot differently. You mentioned Cam Chancellor and how his contract is likely to come off the books. Just based off of the precedent that I think the Seahawks have set over the last couple of years, I think tomorrow we may could possibly hear some news on Cam Chancellor uh, and uh, a release of some kind uh, of his deal. So uh, keep your ears out for that tomorrow. Pete Carroll spotlighted a couple of guys in particular that he expects to have bigger years in 2019. And looking at the defensive line with no Frank Clark there, people kind of wondering where are these sacks going to come from. A draft pick a year ago in 2018, Rasheem Green, who dealt with injuries, was in and out of the lineup a year ago. He's somebody that Pete Carroll is expecting to see big things from next season. A great example would be Rasheem Green. We're counting on him being a, a legitimate part of this team. He works hard. He's tough. He's strong. He's fast. He cares. He, he's you know he's in it. He's a guy that we're he needs to be a bigger factor, and, and uh, that's why we took him last year. And he's had a nice kind of ramping up, and so we'll see how that goes. Could the belief that Pete Carroll and his defensive staff have in the guys already in the building could that curb them away? from seeking a ton of veteran help that is still out there on the free agent market? I think they have belief. I don't think they're delusional. <laughs> I, I think that they think underst- you still need to show it. Yeah, you, you still have to prove it. And just like with Rasheem Green, they were very high on him last year. He showed uh, great promise in the preseason, and he got hurt, and eventually he fell off. I mean, he was he was he there was nothing to be seen throughout the entire season for Rasheem Green. So he has to come back in year two and really show that he is the player that they thought he was you know, drafting him in the third round, and he has that ability. He, it's it's only year two for him, so there is a lot still to prove for him, and he can show that he can do it. The the script hasn't been written on him, you no. know, good or bad. And and so I think when you look at this, uh, you know, we had a uh, we just had a text come in from the two five three asking if if we think that they will be able to get their sacks by committee and get around thirty nine of them. I think that they can, and I think the biggest thing is not necessarily sack numbers. I think that's where people get lost in this conversation. It's not about replacing 39 sacks or getting, if you get 40 sacks, man, you're a better defensive line. It's about pressures. It's about making that quarterback uncomfortable. And you can do that by having a really good rotation between LJ Collier, Rasheem Green, Brandon Jackson, Cassius Marsh, Jacob Martin. Nate Orchard is another guy that I think has great promise in all of this. Uh, and Quentin Jefferson. I mean, there's there's some guys. Jaron Reed's going to be another guy. Now you add um, Ziggy Ansa, Shane Ray, all those names that we've thrown out before. I really think that you've got a really solid group that can get get those pressures that you're looking for. Well, and I think 
with Rasheem Green, and this isn't the first time Carol has has mentioned him. He's also nope. mentioned Jacob Martin. The Jacob Mar- Martin mentioning, I think, uh, has has been more, um, I guess, commonplace for him, especially with the loss of Frank Clark. I think that he knows that Jacob Martin is more of a candidate to to help out with that pass rush. Um, but I think with Rasheem Green, especially. You're also balancing a little bit of patience there because Rasheem Green, they drafted him. He was only 20 years old, um, and he they knew that coming in, he had a high ceiling and needed a little bit of development. And so I think if, if you're Seattle, what you don't want to do is uh, call it quits. And I don't think they're mm-hmm. close to calling it quits with Green. I think what he's highlighting with this is um, – you know, we allowed room for him to be developing. You know what the funny thing is, too, is is sometimes we talk about speaking things to ex- into existence. Mm-hmm. I think the Seahawks and that coaching staff is a firm believer of speaking things into existence and, and trying to reaffirm and affirm guys to, hey, you can do this. You can be this player. We think this of you. And when you call out Rasheem Green multiple times in different forums and different interviews and after LJ Collier gets drafted, that's one of the first things that you mention is Rasheem Green. They've got a lot of faith in you, and, and they're expecting and good things from you. And that gets back to the player. Absolutely. And- so, and, and with their style of coaching, I mean, it is a, it is a very empowering uh, environment in that building. So they're, they have a great track record of developing, and we'll see if those guys can answer the call. You can listen to Seattle Sports Night via the 710 Sports app, driven by your Puget Sound Acura dealers. 15 minutes from now, another edition of Four Down Territory. Pass rush being the Seahawks' biggest free agent need, but is there another position on the roster that could stand to use a free agent veteran presence? We answer that in about 15 minutes from now. But up next, the Mariners, they have fallen hard back down to earth. So where do they go from here? Jerry DePoto, he joined Danny David Moore earlier today. We'll hear what he told those guys in the afternoon. That's coming up next. Curtis Rogers, Stacey Ross, Jake Heaps, Seattle Sports Tonight on 710 ESPN Seattle. Live from the Alaska Airlines studio, this is Seattle Sports at Night with Curtis Rogers, Jake Heaps, and Stacey Rost on 710 ESPN Seattle. Seattle Sports Night here with you on 710 ESPN Seattle. Coming up to start off the second hour, Seahawks rookie minicamp begins tomorrow at 1.30 p.m., well, we've got somebody here that has gone through a rookie mini camp. It's me. Stacy will tell us about Jake's rookie camp memories <laughs> coming up at eight o'clock. Uh, just, I'm sure Jake's got something for us. Some, yeah, some, some you nuggets, know, that, some little nuggets, some yeah. little inside stories there to give you an idea of what these guys are going through. The, the Paint a picture. And, yeah, exactly. exactly. That's coming up to start off hour two. So make sure you're tuning in for that. Also, get those uh, questions in for eight forty-five at any time. Ask us anything. Uh, we'll we'll try to answer everything. Anything you want. I'm saving all the questions now. Exactly. Stacy is hard at work, just jotting all of those down, copying uh, and pasting. <laughs> that's the easiest way to do it, because typing it out word for word that could get pretty tedious. Yeah. Uh, Mariners, though, they have the day off tonight, which is why we're on the air. Uh, at least th- at this time. Normally we're on the air much later, about five hours later. But <laughs> today we're going to get an actual good night's sleep. So shout out to the Mariners for having the day off. But they have come back down to earth. I don't think there's any doubt that you know they're not the team that they were to start the season when they were 13-2 and two and just bludgeoning teams left and right. I- instead, they're the ones getting bludgeoned, which is 
not a good thing. Outscored forty six to seven over the last four Yikes. games. They're five and thirteen over the last eighteen games, which just it's frustrating to watch this team who got off to such a great start. And Jerry Depoto, who Mariners general manager, who joined Danny David Moore earlier today, he went so far to say that it was brutal. Oh, it was it was brutal, honestly, especially the last four days. And you know, yesterday, the the Saturday Sunday games with with Texas were tough. If there's no question about it, and you know, our defense let us down. Our pitching wasn't as sharp as it needs to be, and and we didn't hit the ball the way we know we're capable of hitting the ball. And uh, it's that you're going to go through cycles, and you know part of the benefit is that that we were so good for a, a two three week stretch that that it hasn't put us in a position where you can't bounce back. But we simply have to play better than we've played these last four or five days. I mean, I think you hit the nail right on the head. Brutal being the operative word after you get outscored forty six to seven over a four game stretch. Their run differential heading into. The weekend was plus 41. It's now plus two. Yeah, that's a big bite. Yeah, that like that kind of stretch doesn't happen normally over an entire weekend. Like That's something that happens over a month right. if you have a bad month. But what was it? The Mariners got outscored by more runs in a weekend series than any team in Major League history since like the 1890 Philadelphia A's, which were... I think since like the Spanish flu was a thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> When yeah, when like the Ottoman Empire still existed, <laughs> which I mean, it, it was just a brutal weekend. But you look at the Mariners right now and just where they have gotten to after such a hot start. It's really tough to peg who they are because on one hand, you can't sustain the level of play that they were playing over the first two weeks of the season. On yeah, the not, other not a hand, chance. on the other hand. I don't think you can sustain this How bad, bad of play this is. So, you don't think you can sustain three or four errors in a in a game? Well, I mean they they're I think certainly if you doing try. a good they're certainly doing a good chance or a, Well, a, yeah, they they have they have shown that they have been a horrible defensive ball club throughout that whole run. Even true. when they've been, you know, crushing the baseball. It was not their strength. They they have they have been absolutely horrendous in terms of fielding and that's the part where I would have loved to have seen this club get better in in that aspect, and I did not expect to see. I have not expected to see a baseball team look like the bad news bears when it comes to fielding, and, and that's where the Mariners are sometimes, and that's where you have some great pitching outings uh, by some of these guys, and their numbers look skewed because there was an error here or there that just opened up the floodgates uh, for for guys, and and um, so you you look at these situations, and even when the Mariners. Uh, are, are not hitting the ball in this lineup that that's really what it is. It's feast or famine for these guys, and they do not have what it takes as of right now or what they have shown us to be in a situation where they can handle a game where it, it is limited or made or broken by by the the defensive uh, in a defensive battle. And so that's something that they I don't think is going to ever change in this season, Curtis. No, and I think you look at – the guys who are struggling the most right now, especially offensively and defensively, Tim Beckham kind of jumps to the forefront. A guy who got off to one of the best starts we've ever seen here, but since about April 7th, which is almost an entire month now, he has been a shell of what he was when he won American League Player of the Week. Domingo Santana struggling in the field. His bats kind of cooled off a little bit. 
still among the American League leaders in RBIs, but people are looking at guys who are struggling right now and saying, oh, well, you you sent Malik Smith down, why not send some other guys down, bring up these young guys who we've spent so much time talking about this offseason. I think a lot of people point to J.P. Crawford, who has a, I believe it's like a 20-something game on base streak where he's gotten on base, he's playing really well in Tacoma right now. But DePoto says that you never want to promote a player due to somebody else's struggles. Now, you never want to go to a young player because you are frustrated with the recent performance of a veteran player. That's the wrong reason to perform or to promote. You want to promote the young player because he's achieved what what you laid out for him. And, you know, our our primary goal in this season is to develop the foundation for a team that has a chance to come together and win a championship. And if that happens in 2019 or sometime hereafter, it's not as important as developing that that player. When I hear DePoto say that you never want to promote a player because a veteran player is struggling, I love that. Because in years past, especially with the Mariners, we have seen – Guys get promoted just because guys are struggling at the major league level, whether or not the minor league player is ready or not for the bigs. And because they may not be ready, mm-hmm. their growth gets stunted when they hit their very first sort of wall in the big leagues. We've seen it with Mike Zanino, Dustin Ackley, Justin Smoke, Jesus Montero, guys who were these blue-chip prospects at one time among the very best in baseball come to the big league level when they may not have been ready, but when the front office was like, mm, let's get this this veteran out of here and bring up somebody young just because we've got a lot invested in this guy, and then all of a sudden they're kind of left to their own devices – yeah, I like what DePoto said there because it shows that they're really trying to invest in these young guys that they brought over, not just simply to clear payroll. Well, and it keep, you show that they're keeping perspective, and that's the hard part for fans uh, as we're watching this Mariners club go out to this hot start. Now they uh, are, are hitting a, a dry spell in, in the win column and, and are losing in the fashion that they're losing like they did this last weekend. Uh, it's tough to watch, and it's tough to not have answers to it. But we knew that this ball club was going to struggle going into the season, and, and they gave us a little bit of hope, and that still could be turned around. But, you know, you've heard it talk about this 10-game this, this uh, stretch here that they're facing on the road coming up against Cleveland, New York, Boston. It's going to show a lot. What uh, uh, It's going to show us as fans and as media members a lot about what this ball club is and what it's going to be moving forward. And and with Jerry Depoto, his biggest thing is he's got to keep everything in perspective. And even though things might get rough, you have a plan for the future in place. And you want to continue to see those young guys continue to uh, develop that confidence. And and you see, you know, uh, 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 Kellenic dominate right now. Uh, and is he in single A right now? He is single A. Uh, he's got a 19 game hitting streak. You see Logan Gilbert the get, ball. Yeah, yeah, Logan Gilbert, the pitcher from uh, last year's first round pick, just got promoted to Modesto from yep. West Virginia. So, I mean, JP Crawford's playing yeah. extremely well. I mean, there's there's a lot of exciting prospects that are doing well, and you want to continue to see that progression for those those players. And like you just pointed out, putting those guys in the limelight on the biggest stage too soon could be detrimental to their career. So I'm not I'm not personally invested in this in this particular season. I want to watch this club have fun and and and, and see them crush the ball and, and all those things and and not lose in the fashion that they are losing like this last weekend. To me that's 
not fun. And that that is not fun. And and hopefully they can turn that around. But I am focused on the future. And Jake mentioning those expectations too is is interesting because we had so many conversations about what is this team. And I think if if anything, the last ten games um, in those what did you say lost seven of those ten? Yeah, they've lost. 13 of their last 18. If anything, it's just continued to to show you that you still can't quite put your finger on exactly uh, what this team is. They clearly uh, excel on offense, and they, they were doing so well to start the season that they still lead in several offensive uh, categories, which is just wild to think of now, if, you know, looking at this past losing streak and knowing they still lead the league in home runs and uh, ge- just runs and general hits, uh, RBI, but... Obviously, that's taking a hit with this. But um, there was an article on ESPN I read earlier. It's from, uh, I think, Tim Kion? Kion? Kion, yeah. Kion. He was talking about Scott Service's reaction to being asked about uh, this most recent four-game losing streak. And he said Service found himself in an odd position of being forced to explain why a team that was never supposed to win suddenly stopped winning. So I think a lot of the frustration that fans might be feeling is those are those changing expectations that they they go up and they go down depending on the performance of a team. And ultimately, this team, like Jake mentioned, wasn't expected to be the team that it started out as. So, yes, history would dictate that a team that started with that kind of record would normally be uh, a championship you know, caliber team, would normally be a contender. Um, but I think what people are seeing is they're not, but that there's a little... There's a bit more surprise with mm-hmm. that, team, yeah. I would think. There's going to be a lot of ebbs and flows with this yeah. ball club. Uh, so, I mean, buckle up, because <laughs> we got a long way to go. We've just started the second month of the season. Coming up next, it's time for Four Down Territory. Jermaine Fetty getting his fifth-year option declined today. Why was that? We answer the question next. Curtis Rogers, Stacey Ross, Jake Heap, Seattle Sportsnet on 710 ESPN Seattle. This, this is Four Down Territory on Seattle Sports at Night. Four Down Territory here, Seattle Sports at Night. Four opportunities to put seven on the board before we get into the break for halftime. Curtis Rogers, Seahawks insider Stacy Ross, the quarterback Jake Eaps. We're all here for you. Let's get to you first down. Number one. Question number one. Our very own Brock Heward. He thinks former Texas defensive back Devontae Davis has the best shot of the undrafted free agents to make the Seahawks roster. Do you guys agree? And if not, who? Well, I think that uh, Brock has a good point in terms of uh, pointing out Devontae Davis just because when you look at cornerback, the cornerback position, they didn't really make a whole lot of additions uh, to that position. And uh, there's a lot of talent. There's a lot to be liked about Devontae Davis and what he brings. Uh, And he's a guy that, from a measurable standpoint, you know, I know his arm length isn't necessarily what what you would ideally want, but everything else is there. And and so that's a guy that we'll definitely have our eye out for. But the guy that, that brings up a lot of intrigue for me is Jalen Harvey. Uh, he's another safety uh, from Arizona State who played receiver and was very successful his junior year and then switched over 
to uh, to safety his senior year and had 70-plus tackles and, and was a great contributor. Um, the next player that, that really comes to mind is the offensive guard, guard that they were able to get from that Ohio Demetrius State. Demetrius Fox, or yes. Knox. Dang Demetrius it, I did Knox, it yes. Demetrius Knox is a guy from that Ohio I think State. has a has a great chance to make this roster and be a legitimate contributor uh, in the future because he's he's a player that has played a lot, a lot of starts, had a lot of starts in, at Ohio State, um, and just was injured towards the end of the senior year. So a uh, guy that I will definitely be excited about to see how he fits in and a guy who you know could be one of those uh, – Amazing Seahawk undrafted stories. See, I knew you were going in that direction, and then I got too eager, messed myself up. I saw um, Brady Henderson of ESPN tweet out earlier about him, actually, that, did I get this right? The Seahawks had him on a 30 visit, so they already have pre-established interest in him. And so, um, you know, I think if you're looking, it's certainly an area, the offensive line, where uh, there are a lot of guys competing. And Brady mentioned he might not even be able to participate in rookie camp because of that uh, foot injury. But um, that otherwise could be a pretty promising competitor there, and the Seahawks had some earlier interests. Number two. What was the biggest reason why Jermaine Effetti's fifth-year option was declined? I think you look at it, $10.5 million for, for a fifth-year option for Jermaine Effetti, a guy who, for the beginning part of his career, really struggled. Uh, and, and it was not pretty at all. And obviously you could point to scheme, you could point to... Jermaine Fitty not fitting into Top Cable scheme and, and him maturing this last year under Mike Solari and this system that he's currently in, he then really stepped up his production and, and was more of a solidifying factor in, in this downhill run game that the Seahawks now have and was better in pass protection. He is, now, he is not necessarily an elite pass protector. Uh, he is not uh, developed his game so much so that you, as the Seattle Seahawks, say yes, I'm happy to take on that that $10.5 million. They want to see more from Jermaine Effetti, and eventually he could potentially be a cheaper option uh, after this year, depending on how the season goes, to re-sign him. So a little bit of a gamble by the Seahawks, but ultimately I think it's the right move when you have guys like George Fant Jamarco Jones that you feel pretty good about, maybe with another year of development, uh, ready to take over for him if he leaves. Well, I wonder, too, if, if for a guy like him, and I'm just thinking of this, uh, that if you're the Seahawks, it's it's promising to see him take a step forward in areas he can control. So if you're trying to see how does he work in a new uh, O-line coach's uh, system and, and scheme and how does he work there, well, he managed to cut back on his penalties yes. after leading the team uh, and league in them. Um, so that's an area that you can control and an area that you can bet solely on you and your improvement. So I think maybe those steps also moving forward could yeah. could also point towards a better future. Yeah, for him. you you did it. You did it one year. Yep. Are you a one hit wonder or can you do it again? Number three, third down. John Clayton, the professor. You can catch him every day from ten to noon in one of his columns on 710sports.com, he says there's a chance Ziggy Ansah might not be fully healthy until August. Does that temper your interest in the veteran pass rusher? No, because the other thing that uh, John Clayton has reported, too, is that there's nothing structurally wrong with Ziggy Ansah's shoulder, and I think that's the key. If there was something structurally wrong, that's where it would give you pause for concern because that takes longer to develop. That part of it's fine for him. It's more of just getting his muscles back into shape. That's and, and, and Yes, yeah. and getting that strength up 
to be ready to go. And, and you're talking about a player who is a veteran player in this league, who knows how to go about his business, who's going to have every resource available to him if he is on the Seattle Seahawks squad. So I think Ziggy is the type of player that, hey, if he's going to miss two games this season and play the remainder 14, I will take that if that's going to help us get to the playoffs and get it to a Super Bowl run. He has that type of impact. So no, if that does not uh, lessen my interest in Ziggy Ansah. I think that he can be a massive impact for this team and is a proven commodity. No, I uh, I agree on that one, and I think Jake, you you noted probably the most important that of thing of that, which was that there's no structural damage there. And I mean, people hear August and they get a little nervous, and they hear he could miss training camp and get a little nervous. But it's a long season, and and for a for a longtime veteran mm-hmm. uh, who is was a longtime starter for his own team, it'll be a bit easier for him to catch up specifically than it might be for. Uh, a brand new guy coming in off of a shoulder injury. This is a guy that knows what he's doing, and this sounds very morbid, but um, because he's been sitting on the market, perhaps because of that injury, suddenly this guy that was franchise-tagged a season ago becomes available to you at a price that you wouldn't have been able to afford. Exactly. Number four. Fourth down. Got about a second left on the clock, so we got to get this one in for six. Pass rush remains the Seahawks' biggest free agent need, but what other position could stand to use a free agent veteran presence? I think the other position that you could look at is secondary uh, in terms of the cornerback position. What I would love for them to do is be able to have a veteran presence that could push uh, Shaquille Griffin and Trey Flowers. I think both of those two players are great players that have promising future. Uh, Shaq being the guy that really took a step back in year two, and, and I think it might take for his job to be on the line to him for him to really step things up and get it back on track going into year three. I really love the production that, that Trey Flowers had and, and what he could be. But really, you're looking at those two guys and saying, hey, we're counting on you to continue to develop. And, and that's a big factor in all of this that you have to really pay attention to because if they don't develop – uh, in the in the fashion that you're hoping for, uh, it could spell for some major trouble. Coming up next, it is time for Jake to take us back. I'm excited for this mm. segment. For It'll some fun. rookie mini camp story memories, time. exactly. It's always good to have some story time around here. Uh, so Jake, he's going to give us some of his memories from his rookie mini camp back in the day. We hear from him next. Curtis Rogers, Stacy Ross, Jake Heap, Seattle Sports Night on 710. ESPN Seattle.